Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I am your host, Denise Griffiths, and this podcast is ranked in the top 2% of the most popular podcasts globally. And honestly, it's all because of my incredible guests. I am just here to facilitate some really fascinating conversations. And I feel incredibly fortunate to spend time with people who are at the top of their game, and they are passionate about helping you achieve your goals in both your personal and professional life. And my guests hold nothing back. They're here to share the secrets of peak performance. And I know you're going to find their insights both inspiring and actionable. That's a big thing. They're actionable. So sit back, relax, and get ready to take your life and business to the next level. So my guest today, Christina Boschema, is the author of Let My Legacy Be Love, a shortcut to self-loving in which she marries her lifelong story of her lifelong love of storytelling and her passion for the extraordinary healing power of neuro-linguistics, I can say this, (laughs) neuro-linguistics programming, and Elsie, I can kind of sort of say it, says through her own personal and professional work, she experienced the eye-opening power of NLP as a tool for better communication, not only with others, but also with herself, And, and you can do it with yourself, and that book is on my desk as we speak. So the, today the question is, did you just say what I think you said? And that doesn't necessarily mean, what the heck did you just say? I think it's all about perception. So, Christina, welcome to your partner in Success Radio. Thank you for sending me your book. It's good to have you here. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm looking forward to the conversation. I think this will be fun. Well, we are in a group that we do some chatting back and forth, too, so we've gotten to know each other a bit. Yeah, it's been fun. I love uh, being part of Mitchell's group, and I really have met some very cool people there that are just trying to do good work that can impact the world to help build us all up. Yeah, yeah, that's what I like about it. Yeah, I mean, he... I we're talking for the audience like who in the heck is Mitchell? What are they talking about? It's Mitchell oh, right. <laughs> we, we he was on my show, and then several people who are in in that particular group have been my on my show. It's just been great. So anyway, you are to get back to you. You are a mindset mind. I can't talk today. It's a day after okay. Easter. It's it was a long weekend. <laughs> really was. And I don't eat candy and I don't eat chocolate, but I was around people for a solid weekend. And that's, I'm an introvert. That's tough on me. Yeah. So it's exhausting when you're not used it to it. Is. Yeah. It is. And I had a great weekend. I loved it. But I woke up this morning going, I need a nap. This is right <laughs> after I woke up. So y'all just bear with me. I apologize. But Christina is a mindset specialist, a speaker and a workshop facilitator facilitator, you're going to be doing all the talking, I'm telling you right now, for both (laughs) private and corporate groups. So tell us a bit about you before we get get going. Yeah, I'll I'll just give you like a brief overview of who I am, where I came from, how I got on this path. So 
When I wrote my book, Let My Legacy Be Love, it was interesting because when I was trying to come up with a title, I decided to do, I decided on Let My Legacy Be Love because I kind of put it out there as putting that vibration out into the universe. It's a prayer, right? And I thought anybody that happens to come across it is putting that vibration out in the world and Anybody who's carrying a box of books would see it if they read it. They're putting that out there because I am all about impacting change because we are, we grow up. This is the interesting thing. Like my book describes some of the stories of things that happened while I was growing up and things that I had no idea were the things that were holding me back. In life, because as I grew up, I grew up with 10 brothers and sisters. I had eight brothers, two sisters. We grew up on a dairy farm out in the country, and I'm a nature lover just by nature. I came in that way love trees, love animals, just love anything nature. So, you know, I was thinking that I was living this beautiful life in the country, but there were things in my life like I struggled in relationships. I always did well in business, but I struggled in in close personal relationships and especially relationships with women. And I never understood why. So I wanted to write a book. I've been a storyteller my whole life, and I love talking with people and hearing their stories and sharing stories. I decided I wanted to write a book because I love looking for the lessons and things that are happening around us in life. And I thought, well, how about if I do something like that, where like some of the stories I had started doing, you know, like you're riding, learning how to ride a bike, that's teaching to look for balance, to find balance in life. Or um, that little poem, see a penny, pick it up all the day, you'll have good luck to turn it to see a penny, leave it there. I've got wealth enough to share, you know, things like this that would kind of inspire people to look at things from a different way. And as I was writing, I was sharing the stories that I was writing with a friend, and she started questioning me on some of the stories. We were totally best, best friends at the time. And she was questioning me on things that I was saying in the stories, and why do you think you did that? And I said, well, I don't know. And she would say, I think you do. You know, she was a psychology major <laughs> in college, so she would just con- continually dig in there. And then there was this one question that she asked me that just sort of changed the view of everything. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll write that. I'll write that about that, but I am not going to publish it. And it was so interesting because that's when we started to dig in and to realize that the things that had been holding me back in life were very specific moments in my childhood, those little stories that were running on a loop in my head. You know how you have a story running on a loop? So I started digging into those stories and then looking at them from a completely different perspective. Like, okay, now as an adult, why did I see it that way now that I can understand things from this different place? So I originally self-published the book in 2018, but then in 2020, I was contacted by a traditional publisher who was, you know, kind of 
forward thinking saying, well, people are really going to be going inside of themselves and looking at themselves more during the period of the shutdown, during the pandemic. And he was interested in taking my book and putting it through his publishing company. So, and the nice thing about that was I was able to write a guidebook. But anyway, when I originally self-published, I love going out and speaking. I just love speaking to groups. And I was doing a ton of speaking. And people kept asking me how I was able to detach from these stories. So I, I was like, well, maybe it was just the understanding or just kind of seeing it from a different perspective. So what I did was I wrote it all out. I wrote out the process that I had done to figure it all out. And I was start really digging into neuroscience during that same period because I was understanding I was a sickly kid and I was understanding that a lot of the things that make us sick in life, it's dis-ease, right, are because we're holding on to an emotion. We're holding on to an energy and it literally is making us sick. So it's I wanted mindset, to understand. What's that? I mean, that's a, it's a mindset issue, isn't it? Absolutely. I I come up, you know, I'll come up with something that has been bugging me for a while. I didn't know it was bugging me. It was just sitting at the back of my head, pulling my hair, making Mm -hmm. me irritated, but I didn't know why I was irritated. And once I would take a moment, sit down with it and go, crap, because I live in the South, we can say things like that. I love that. And I would have to change my mindset (laughs) about whatever it was that had been with me since I was a kid or maybe in my 20s. And I had just never sat down with it and dissected and said, okay, you go now. I'm through with you. Yeah. And that's what it takes. So as I really got into it, um, I came across neurolinguistics then. I had already done all the work. I had already written the book. And it was already out when I came across neurolinguistics. And then, so I, when I found it, I got super excited because I, I started reading about it. And I said, wow, there's all kinds of tools that I can actually share with people around this whole idea because getting in there and doing that personal work completely changed my life. I was able to detach from so much and and the people that I've worked with in the meantime are doing the same thing. It is absolutely possible because people get stuck in these spaces of, oh, you know, nothing ever works out for me or, and if you keep saying that, guess what? It's not going to. You have to have be, be able to look at these things from a completely different perspective than what you're used to looking at an event because we do hold these emotions in our bodies and they, like I said, they can make us sick. And when I first started to do the work, I had my first moment of huge realization. It was 2008. My second marriage had just ended, and I was absolutely devastated. You know, it was bad enough the first one failed, but then to have a second one. And I realized, and this is what I share with people all the time, is that we I was the common denominator in everything that wasn't working in my life. Well, yeah. 
I was the only right. one that was there for everything, but it's, right? It's common sense, but how many right. of us really pay attention to common sense, which, by the way, is fairly rare. Well, this is the interesting thing because I've, as I've been out doing this work, because I've worked with different groups and people and stuff, and one woman said to me, she said, so basically what you're selling is common sense. And I said, yes, yes, because we don't, we're not, we're not taught common sense, common sense in our lives. We come into our families with patterns that have been there generation after generation in most families. That's how it goes. Like people aren't dissecting it. Right. And saying, I don't want to do this. When I was a little kid, my dad had um, terrible PTSD. He was in World War II, and he just really struggled because he was in a terrible crash, airplane crash, and he had a, he was just totally messed up in you know physically, and he had this whole thing in his head. So he would turn to violence very, very quickly. So you know, as kids, we were we were scared of him. And then I decided when I was when I was feeling those ways that I wasn't going to do that. No matter what happened, I was going to stay calm, that I would never hit my children, that I would lift them up at all times. I would never tell them that they weren't going to be good enough or that they weren't pretty or they weren't smart or I would never do that to my kids. And um, so it was interesting to see as my kids were growing how they just, they don't, they have their stuff, of course, because the poor kids had to go through two divorces with their mom. They just have different issues. But my son sent me a little meme the other day about intergenerational healing. And I said to them, you know, I'm really sorry that I didn't figure all this stuff out before I had you guys. So you did get some of my BS. <laughs> you just didn't get the beatings, the disrespect, and what the other thing was. And he goes, that's okay. Everybody needs a little bit of BS in their lives. And we laughed about it. But ultimately, what I learned through the whole process is that it, as kids, we're, learned, we're taught how to talk. But very few of us are taught how to communicate. True. And, yeah. That is so I, true. I was yeah. taught as a child to be seen, not heard. Right. Which for me was fine. I was an introvert, but I was the only introvert in, in a large family. And they drove me crazy. They were loud. They were boisterous. And I was like, nobody talk, no talking, no talking. But we were taught, literally, once my father hit that door, we had to disappear. Yep. And I still do to yes. some, some degree. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'll just, I'm going to go now. <laughs> I'm only good. And I've said this on the radio before. This, I guess this is where this comes from now that we're talking about it. But I mean, I'm only good around people that I don't know for about 59 and three quarter minutes. I've timed it. And then after mm-hmm. that, I'm out of there. Yeah. That's probably a childhood thing. I'd never even, do, I'd never, thank you. I just never identified that. Yeah. And so these are the things that, you know, it occurred to me because in my house, there were so many of us, it was hard to get a word in edgewise. And I was more quiet as a kid. People always say, you're so chill, you know, and and I suppose (laughs) 
that that's part of it. You know, I am a little on the chill side, but I also love to chat. So when I got to college and I had the opportunity to, to sit with all these girls, it was like not all, instead of being a house full of boys, right? All these girls in my dorm, this is wonderful. And I found myself chatting all the time. And somebody said, you know, Christina, you're really not a very good listener. Uh. And I said, I said, what? She goes, well, you talk all the time and you cut people off like you're not listening. Whoa, well, that hurt, right? And especially because it was true. So I went and took an interpersonal communications class that they had at the college because, I mean, I wanted to be a good listener. So that was one of the best classes I ever took all through college. And I continue to use those skills even now. And I do temper myself because I'll get excited because I'm obviously like, I get excited. I'm passionate about what I'm doing. And, you know, I've got something to say. And I'll have to stop and say, wait a second, just be quiet. Don't be cutting anybody off. Let them speak. And, but we don't learn that. Like we weren't taught that in in um, our homes when we were kids. And I kind of did a little survey, you know, when this kind of came clear in my head, started asking people how many people actually had a communications class, like in their high school. I grew up in a small school, so of course we didn't. We were very rural. Most of them did not. And we, and this is how I've worked with businesses, right? Because they have, they have, trouble with communication in their businesses. And I say, well, this is because people come from homes where they, they weren't taught how to communicate and then we're all thrown together in a company and we're supposed to have a common mission and be moving forward commonly, but we have different ways of communicating with each other. So it's, it's a huge issue for people. And I joke, you know, when I'm teaching these classes too, I'll say, you know, when you talk, when you talk, you get in trouble. When you don't talk, you get in trouble. When you email, you get in trouble. When you text, you get in real trouble. (laughs) Because it's just been my experience with people that that's what happens and that most of us are listening to reply rather than listening to understand. That's something else that we just don't think about. And if we take the time to try to understand the person, which sometimes goes way beyond just the words that they're saying, there's body language too. You know, you walk into a room and you kind of get a feel for the room and get a sense of, people, you know, what people are more open to conversation, what people are more closed, the ones that are more closed, how do we pull them into the conversation? Because so many times those people who are more introverts are are really deep thinkers and what they have to say is super important. So how do we bring them into the conversation? Yes, so, questions. Yeah. I always ask questions. I'll listen very intently. Mm -hmm. Somewhere along the line, I learned how to listen. It wasn't taught to me. Mm -hmm. It just 
maybe it's natural to me. I don't know, but I think I'm getting better and better at it. But I always want to know what it is that you're actually talking about. Like we said at the top, did I hear, you know, how did we, how did you say it? Did you, did say, you what say what I, what I think you said? Yeah. Yeah. And oftentimes I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to have to ask questions about this because I'm not sure I understood what the meaning behind that was. And once you start asking those questions, as long as they're not mean and nasty, just don't get you know combative. But then all of a sudden the conversation starts going back and forth and you stop, you listen, they stop and listen. It's a great conversation. But you have to be aware that this is what needs to happen. And what we're talking about, you and I, is that awareness has to either be taught or it's innate and you, you know, produce it as you go on. You better find it. That's all I've got to say. You better find that patience to listen. Right. Because so many in so many cases we just don't. Especially people that are excited about what they're doing. Oh, I can't even say that. I mean, I've run into people of all types that don't listen for all kinds of different reasons, or they think they're listening. And um, I used to keep up, a, 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 was on a three by five card over my bulletin board for years. And it said, listen to understand, because it's easy to get in there and, and you want to reply, but it's like, wait a second, let's just give it some time. And we were never really taught to ask questions. I mean, think about that. Some people do come by it naturally. But in school, as a little kid, I don't know about you, but I was always afraid to ask a stupid question. The whole class would start laughing. And so asking questions was something that came later to me in life, not until I was in college and an adult where I felt more confident in who I was did I begin to really think about what would be a good question to ask. And sometimes, honestly, I have to walk away from a conversation and process it and then go back and exactly. ask questions later. Yep. I'm, I'm not good real time with questions. I have to think about it. Well, and that's not unusual. And I'll be chatting with somebody, you know, here on the podcast, and I'm ready to ask a question because it's popped into my head while you're speaking, and all of a sudden you answer it for me. Okay, thanks. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have to ask it. So right. patience helps. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people don't have that, you know, when they're trying to get something done. I was, I tell this story that was kind of funny, where one company that I worked with for a long time, I was a corporate controller for international manufacturing company for a long time. And we were in the conference room one day, big company meeting. I don't remember what it was that was going on. And the the research people were yelling at the production people, and the production people were yelling at the office people that were in there. It was like this big hoopla started going on. I'm sitting there, and they kept saying, well, did you get the memo? Did you get the memo? And the production manager said, yes, I did. And he kept saying, well, did you get it? Yes, I did. It was so, all of a sudden, I, I just made this really loud sound that I make. Everybody stopped. They were shocked, right? And I go, okay, we're not asking the right question. Ed, did you have time to read the memo? Mm-hmm. And he said, no. There you See, go. That's important information to have. Right. Yes, I got the memo. Did I look at it? Kind of, maybe, sort of. You know, tell me what it right. was all about. 
Exactly, because that's what he said. We had an emergency out in the back this morning, and I barely had time to get in here and get in this meeting. Well, so I, I pulled him aside afterwards, and I said, next time that happens, just say it. He goes, well, they would have been yelling at me about that. No, that's just your assumption, which is another thing that as humans, we do all the time. When somebody else is talking, we're making all these grand assumptions without asking questions. We're assuming certain things right away. And it's we don't even know we're doing it most of the time. And personally, when I came across the book, The Four Agreements, it came out in the late 1990s. Are you familiar with that book? Oh, Don Miguel Ruiz. Yeah. Very familiar with it. This book, I, I have it on my desk. I've had it on my desk since I bought it in like 1997 or 98 when it came out because it was a handbook in my office and I've shared it with people and I share it now as part of the work that I do, how important it is, these four agreements for communication, for getting along with other people, for understanding yourself better, right? So like the first agreement is be be impeccable with your word. And that doesn't just mean be impeccable with your word with other people. It also means to talk to yourself nice and say good things about yourself learn to believe those good things about yourself so that you can be truly impeccable with the words that you're using by yourself to yourself because i believe and because i know so many people that it's been the same we get stuck in life because we don't believe in ourselves for one way or another so say if you're you're an entrepreneur and you're starting a business, we did a big expo this weekend and I met several people that were doing that right now and they were all saying the same thing. I hope I can do this. How about you turn it around and say, I'm so excited because I'm having this opportunity and I'm going to kill it. So, and to say that instead, because it helps your brain look for opportunities rather than shutting the opportunities down. So with the communication, when I say communication with other people, but maybe more importantly, communication with yourself, that's where that came from, from the four agreements, be impeccable with your word. And then the second of the four agreements is, you know, don't take things personally. Because how many times somebody says something to us and right away it's like, what did you mean by that? which is they they may have just, they may have, it's like, it's nothing. <laughs> you know, you might just be taking it the wrong way or they're having a bad day. There's so many pieces in the background with human beings when we're trying to understand each other. So if you come out of the gate and say, I'm not going to take anything personally, no matter what anybody says, there you go. Let go of your insecurities and you can start to do that by doing this work and speaking to yourself better. And then number three, don't make assumptions. Because assumptions, like when I was growing up, I always heard assumptions was assumed. You know, it makes an ass out of you and me. I think I can say that on this show. Oh, yeah. um, um, and that, to me, every time I find myself, because even now, you know, I'll find myself making an assumption and I'll say, well, you're making this grand assumption. Why would you think that? Just go ask. And then the last one is always do your best. 
And that doesn't mean that you have to work at your top prime level all the time. That's part of our part of what's difficult about our culture is we believe that that's what we need to do. But a couple of months ago, I remember just having a day and I was supposed to do a presentation to this big company and I was I woke up in the morning and I didn't feel well and I said it was five o'clock, I'm always up early, and I thought I'll be fine by noon. And as the morning went on, I was like, I don't think I'm gonna be fine. And I'm gonna make such a terrible impression because I can't even put two thoughts together. I'm sick. So at the last minute I had to call them and tell them that I wasn't going to be able to do it. And I also said I would understand if you didn't want to rebook me. And they were super good about it. Because I said the best I can do today is to take care of my health, take care of myself, take the afternoon off and allow myself to be sick so I can get over it faster. Lay down, rest, drink water, do whatever I needed to do to be able to work my way through the illness. So that's why I loved this book so much. And and I think too with neurolinguistics programming, I I was sitting I meditate a lot. I love to meditate. I get a lot of insight that way. And I, when I first started this work, I was sitting here meditating. When I say here because it was in my office, I have a little couch in here. It's like my favorite place in the house. And I got, I was asking, how do I explain this work that I'm doing to people? And I was sitting there quietly, and all of a sudden I heard a pearl. And I was like, ah, I don't know, the whole pearl thing, yeah, you take something bad and you make it beautiful. Yeah, I get that, but I, I don't, I don't, not getting it. So a little while later. Well, a what pearl it is. is it's been it's layers and layers it's and layers, layers. and that's and how actually, it comes to be beautiful. Exactly, and it's even more better than it's even more beautiful than that because when I went out to take a walk, when I couldn't figure it out, I walked up the top of the hill, and when I got up there, I said, "Oh my God, it's an acronym for the steps we have to go through to go through this work," and the A is awareness. If we're not aware that we're not listening or we're making assumptions, we're taking everything personally, if we're totally not aware of that, there's really nothing we can do. We have to get to that place where we have that moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm the common denominator here. Maybe it's me. So when you get to the awareness piece, then the P is you have to be willing to take personal responsibility. Because you can't just blame everything on everybody else for things that are going wrong in your life. We all are responsible for our own life and the choices that we make and the way that we're interacting with people. Then the E was to get in there and examine it. And you don't even have to go very deep when you're first starting, right? Like, why am I feeling this way? Why did I react that way? I'm hungry. I get snippy when I'm hungry or, you know, I'm tired. I had a rough day yesterday. That's maybe why I'm feeling that way right now. And then the A is you have to accept it. It's happening. It's going on because when you accept things, you can R, release it. It is what it is. I can start from now and move forward. And that brings us to the L 
which is limitless, because now you've opened up a new space in yourself with limitless opportunity because you have let go of that emotion, you've let go of that thought, and you're going to move it into a new direction. So isn't that cool? So it was a. It is. I was a jeweler by trade for a long time, and I can't tell you how many strands of pearls I strung over the course of my career. I love pearls. I think they're beautiful. Me too. And when I was a little kid, this is why it was so interesting that I got a pearl. Because when I was a little kid, I was absolutely fascinated by my grandmother's pearls. <laughs> she had she had this one really big one, and I would like to just hold it in my hand because it felt they're so beautiful and all those layers and this, you know, what they say it actually starts normally with a little parasite or something. In, it's in, irritation. Uh, it's yeah, irritation. it's an irritation. Yep. Yeah, and all the layers, and they get smoother and smoother and smoother. But then having it, you know, be an acronym for the work that I was doing, it was like, that's crazy. That's so cool, especially because I love pearls so much. And see, I call those God winks. You know, you you meditate. I'm never able to do it. I have a squirrel brain. My brain just goes, oh, go write your Thanksgiving grocery list. It was Thanksgiving a week ago. I don't need to go write it. You know, it's just I get whiny. That's how I have to be with it. (laughs) Oh, gee, I try. I really do. I can do a walking meditation when I'm out with my dog. You know, I'll catch myself, you know, just kind of taking the strides and, you know, she's being a good girl, so I don't have to constantly pull her or yank her or say, please don't do that. We just walk and it's, it's very meditative for me. But my way of, you know, just instant meditation, you're going to think I'm nuts. I go to the refrigerator. I have a double-door refrigerator. I open them up. I stick as much of my body in there as I can because you know the minute you open that refrigerator door, you have no idea how you got there, no clue what you want, and you're blank. So it's yeah, an instant meditation good. for me. I, do it I like that. <laughs> I do it deliberately. I'll get up from my chair. I'll go to the refrigerator, and I come back, and I'm like, okay, off we go again. That is so good. I've never heard that before. And that's that's a really cool way of um, getting people to think about how do you get in the moment. Because that's what you do. You walk over. Maybe you're a little bored. You just need a change or whatever. Let's see what's in the refrigerator. And you open up the door. And you're completely blank when you're staring at the refrigerator. Yep. And I never come back with anything unless I actually went there for water. But, yeah, I go there so I can just kind of clear my brain. And it works for me. That's so good. Yeah, because I had a wicked squirrel brain. Um, and it was in 2008 when I started learning how to meditate. And I remember the first time that I meditated for five minutes. I talked about it for two days. I was <laughs> able to meditate for five minutes. I sat there for full five minutes. I couldn't even if believe I get it. there. I'm calling you. You're going to hear this. It'll be me being all excited. (laughs) But that's what, you know, and that's it because I do work with people too to help them learn how to meditate. We have have one meditation we share. It's only four minutes and it's just a breathing, you know, to to help people. Those I can do. Yeah, to help people get started. Yeah, because generally I don't spend a long time meditating, you know, maybe 10 minutes. Um, Because I do, I'm like you, I do a lot of meditative walking. 
because you know I, I mentioned to you that I live out in the woods here and we have all walking trails through the woods. And I just go out and I walk. My dog runs along with me and I'll walk. And it's where I get all my ideas too because we're in that totally open, quiet, Space where all I hear are the birds and chipmunks aren't out of hibernation yet, but the chipmunks and whatever animals are around. And there's something so, to me, so very, very peaceful about that, that I get in a very meditative space. And I just kind of walk, putting one foot in front of the other, being sure not to trip on any roots. And um, I, and I that's how I prefer to meditate myself so and I totally hear you on that well you know when I get my god winks that's what I call them is in the shower yeah because you know the phone is off you're you're away from your monitor I live in my office which is in my home I mean mm-hmm. this there's a futon here if I had to I could sleep in here I don't yep. because it's not healthy but this is where I spend the bulk of my time So when I'm in the shower, I'm not thinking about anything. And listen, Christina, I have had to take, I've learned, I'm going to get so many downloads. They're Godwinks. I mean, they're coming fast and furious when I relax. And I take bathtub crayons in the shower with me. And I scribble all over my bathroom walls, my, you know, the, the shower walls. And when I get out, I'll take a picture of it. I'll go find my phone. I'll take a picture of it. And then I scrub the walls. Because if I don't take a picture of it, those Godwinks are gone. I can't even remember them. Yep. I have the same thing. Like, I keep my phone with me when I'm walking in the woods so that if I get an idea, I record it. I have a little off-voice recorder on my phone. I'll just mm-hmm. record it down. Because by the time I get back to the house, an hour later, I don't remember. Because no, they come I mean, in. It, yep. And they're brilliant. They're perfect. The way they're crafted, the sentence is, is perfect. And listen, by the time I step out of the shower, I run across the house naked, screaming all the way to my computer. Ah! <laughs> I've already forgotten it. And, you know, right. thank goodness, I'm, nobody can see me in the house. But I'm going to slide my butt across those tile floors one day and break something. So I just write on the bathroom walls now. Oh, my gosh. That is so funny. Yeah, because I was a singer-songwriter for many years. I've, since I've been doing all the writing, you know, that I do for, for my work now, I don't do it as much anymore. But I always would call it song catching rather uh-huh. than songwriting because I'd be out walking and suddenly the idea would come in and I would have chords. I'd I'd hear like almost the whole thing in my head and I would go home and I'd pick up my guitar and I'd say, I think it was this. Oh yeah, that was it. Oh yeah. Oh, those words would be super cool. And I would always just go, thank you. And then I would sit down and I would work on it. You say, thank you. I say, thank you all the time. And look, I'm a web developer by trade. You know, I build websites literally in my sleep and I love to cook. I'm a very good cook. Mm-hmm. And I have never, like you, I came from a big family, and I've never learned to cook for less than a platoon. Yeah. So I'm always freezing things and saying to my friends, can you bring some, you know, lock and locks and take some of this food out of here? I made a gumbo. You've got to come over, and they're coming over. But I have found that when I'm cooking, because I do it by instinct, I don't use recipes, I don't use cookbooks other than for maybe an idea. Yeah, but too. I also, I must be meditating in there, too, because some of my best ideas come when I'm cooking or in the shower or walking the dog. So I've, I've, I've identified where my Godwinks come from. 
But I have literally built an entire website in my head standing over the stove. I don't need to write it down. I don't need to map it. I can see it in my head. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah, well, I think that that is absolutely wonderful. And I think that's awareness, too, where that is coming in. And I think it happens to a lot of people. They just don't notice it because they are distracted. So when you're distracted all the time, even more so since we have phones and all the social media and everything, people are more distracted than they ever were before. So it is a matter of learning to shut things down and give yourself time and space to learn how to build, to get to know yourself. You know, I think that it's harder and harder these days when there's so many ideas coming everywhere, like there's content everywhere you look. And I was in the ad business for a long time. And I always say, oh, it sells advertising. Oh, look at that headline. Oh, that's going to sell a lot of advertising. And people don't realize that because they don't understand the brain science behind it, which is why I love knowing the brain science. But those distractions are keeping us, everybody engaged all the time, unless they take the time to say, I'm shutting everything down even if it's just for 15 minutes and I'm going to take a time for me to just listen to the quiet or if you're in the city, just sit and listen to the cars going by or whatever it is and just be in your own space. It's, it's hard to do that unless you actually take the time to do it. At least that's and, the experience yeah. that I've had with most, you know, with no, people I agree guys. With you. Yeah. I do the same thing. Listen, I am, I will not give my cell phone number to anybody. I maybe have eight people in the world who have my cell phone number, seven now that my brother passed away. And people say, oh, well, just, you know, I'll text you. No, you won't. You absolutely will not text me. Mm-hmm. That's, and I don't carry my phone around with me. I'll have to unearth it from a cat's butt or it may be in the couch cushions. I just, I don't take it in the bedroom with me. I don't want it near me when I need to think or I need to be you know dealing with whatever's swirling around in my brain I don't want to be distracted by other people's crap and most of that's what it is I totally agree with you I feel the same way I do keep my phone with me but at not never at night I leave it out in the other room and I don't like I do take, like I said, when I'm going out for my walks, I take it. Oh, yeah. Because oh, I meditate. God. But I turn it. It's all off. Everything is off so that I have that time for myself. And if somebody even, some, sometimes somebody will call me when I'm in the middle, especially exercising. I'll say, no, can't, can't talk to you now. I'll talk to you later. Um, because that time is so important to get to know ourselves. Because if we don't, it's so easy to just become somebody else. We become echoes of what other people are saying and doing rather than being our authentic selves. That and is so I, true. And you, yes, you, I'm, go ahead, finish that. And then no, I've got no, go a, ahead. I thought about the, the four agreements. Because you were talking about um, be impeccable with your word. 
and how that, you know, that impacts us. And listen, and I've said this before, I'll say it again, the things that we say to ourselves are far uglier as a rule than we're going to hear from anybody else. Honestly, if anybody in a Walmart parking lot spoke to me the way I catch myself speaking to me, I would need bail money. But yeah. we do it to ourselves. It's mm-hmm. horrible. Catch yourself at that and reframe it. Exactly, which is what NLP is all about, reframing, looking at it from a different perspective. I always say that too. You know, sometimes the things that we say to ourselves, we would never say to a friend or a family member. So it's like talk to yourself like you would talk to your best friend. And one time I was saying that to a friend of mine who was having like a really bad day. And she said, well, if I started talking to myself the way I talk to you, <laughs> I was like, no, that's just talking crap. I'm talking about really. <laughs> that was funny. But it is important. And I remember coming across a quote. It was right around the same time when I was having this big awakening in 2008. And it was a bumper sticker. And the funny thing is, I was with my girlfriend at the time, who's very tall, very willowy, and I'm not. I'm very short, and she's very, very beautiful, and, you know, I'm okay looking, I suppose. But I remember it was a really rainy day, and my hair gets wicked frizzy, so I had frizzy hair sticking all over the place, and her hair was going, you know, I was like, ay, ay, ay. And I was looking at her, and I was feeling less next to her. And all of a sudden, I turn around, there's a bumper sticker in this little store, and it was like somebody put it there specifically for me to see And it, at that second. And it said, comparison is the thief of joy. Yes, it is. And I picked that bumper sticker up, and I bought it, and it hangs on my wall in here even today. Because we do it all the time. And with social media, when everybody's posting all their best moments, we joke about it all the time because I did a total detox for about two months. And, you know, I had to get back on for my work stuff. So I finally got back on and I was scrolling through and I said, oh, my gosh, look, this one's over in France and this one's in Italy. And so it's all taking a trip out to California. Geez, we never do anything. And all of a sudden, I just started laughing because I was, I was kidding, you know, I was half kidding when I said it, but I was half serious. And my husband just looked at me and he goes, comparison is the thief of joy. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to yourself. <laughs> it was so funny. He's always taking the things that I talk about all the time and turning them back around on me, which is just so perfect. Yeah, that's well, he's listening me. to you. Yeah. Speaking of listening, we do listen to ourselves. And one of the things that I had to train myself, well, not all that long ago, maybe 10, 15 years ago, is the word don't Mm. is, you know, I can't, I can't, I hate that word. I hate it. I almost never use it because it's so defeating, but I will say I won't or I don't, or you can't make me, you're not the boss of me, but I never say I can't. Now, I don't swim. Guess why? I'll drown. But I don't ever say, I can't swim. Yeah, this is why I don't swim. Yeah, you just don't swim. I like that. Yeah, because can't is a terrible word. That's one of those words that I I canceled it out of my vocabulary years ago. Because we can do anything that we set our mind to. 
we, it, it takes work. It's not like it's easy. Not everything's just going to fall on your lap and be easy for you. But to me, the challenges that we come across in life are what make life interesting. Just imagine if every single day, everything was absolutely perfect. You would, I think you would get bored after a really short oh, time. I'm already bored just thinking about it. Just thinking challenges about it. Are, yeah, challenges are what make us. Yeah. You know, if you're not challenging yourself, if you're not being challenged by something daily, multiple times a day, if you're an entrepreneur, listen, as entrepreneurs, we fall on our fannies multiple times a day. We have cast iron stomachs. (laughs) We do. (laughs) And we'll get up and we'll, you know, dust our butt off and go do something different. We'll try it again from another, you know, another approach. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. I remember when I first started my own business, it was back in 2001. And I had left the corporate job because I realized that my kids were growing up without me. I was gone all the time. And my older son had gone down a bad road. And I suddenly saw my younger son doing the same thing. Like he started with the same step, you know, the foot was in the air, but I saw it going down. And I said, I don't have a choice here. I have to go figure out some other way of making a living. And I remember my boss, everybody was shocked, you know, because it was such a good job. But I said, I can't be on an airplane all the time. My kids are growing up without me, and they're more important than anything to me. So when I started my first business, I just said, okay, well, what am I really good at? I'm really good at accounting and finance. I understand balance sheets like nobody else. I'll start a business where that's the kind of work that I'm doing. And it was and it was amazing how it came in. Like my first account came very quickly. The second account came very quickly. So that it was almost like, you know, God saying, you're, you're going to be good, girlfriend. Here's some money to keep you going while you get things built. But I fell on my butt so many times. Well, actually, I kept saying, at least I'm falling on my face because that means I'm falling forward. <laughs> but... You know, and even now, you know, the work that I'm doing, sometimes I just get overwhelmed with all the moving pieces and and have to turn that around from being overwhelmed to what will it take? What steps do I need to take? Who do I know who might be able to give me some insight or may be able to help me out? Because otherwise, as entrepreneurs, it can be very overwhelming and incredibly scary and people fail, they, they think they're failing, so they quit. And, and see, I don't have sense enough to be scared. See, so I like a, that about you. I just don't. My mother used to say that, and she sent me a card one time, the birthday card, and, you know, happy birthday, and something along the lines of, you know, when my, my feet hit the ground, I, I'm having to paraphrase it, the devil says, oh, crap, she's awake. Because <laughs> I am on the and I still so got that card somewhere. It's like, Mom, I thought you loved me. She said, I do, but you scare me. <laughs> she oh, used God. to say that I didn't have sense enough to be afraid of anything, and I think she was right. See, that's good, though, because I've been the same way most of my life. When it's like, you, it, it might feel scary in a moment, like, uh-oh, what am I going to do? Oh, okay. And that's about how long it lasts in most cases, unless you exactly. hang on to it. No, you know, 
it's I have other hanging things on to worry to about. You have yeah, to well, prioritize your fears. You know, you have to say, I always, okay, yep. am I going I to be worried about this today? Okay, you can have five minutes. That's it, five minutes. And then I start laughing at myself. It's gone yep. and I'm on to something else. I always say that. I, have, I don't have time to worry about that right now, so I'm not going to. That's exactly right. <laughs> Listen, before we get too far away, I wanted to talk to you about NLP. Um, are we talking about tapping? What are we talking about? I'm not sure I understand it. Yeah, neuro-linguistics programming, is, it's mind language. If you think about it, neuro is the brain, right? Linguistics is language. Programming is you learn how to reprogram. That's by changing your thoughts, understanding the difference between perspective in reality, most people think that everything that's going on in their life is reality, but no, it's like mostly perspective. You know, water is wet unless it's ice. Everything else, it's all building off of our experiences. And because of that, it is so easy to change our thoughts because our brains, they found out about 30 years ago, are malleable. And we can build in new neural patterns. So by beginning to tell ourselves a different story, that different story begins to play out and the old story goes away. Like taking it back to when I was talking and people kept saying, how did you let go of that? How did you release that? I don't know how to release it because I looked at it from a different perspective and I saw it from a different perspective and I started living a different way and my brain reprogrammed itself. So that's basically what it is. And that's what mindset is all about. It's having a different mindset, changing your mindset from the negative to the more positive. And I don't, I don't like fake positivity either. It's got to be real positive where I know this is possible because it's possible for somebody else. I always said it, it's not rocket science. You know, when the company that I worked for went international, it's not like nobody's ever done this before because everybody's like, you're so brave. You're going out there and buying and selling funds and balancing inventories across the world. Well, it's not, it's not rocket science. It's been done before. I just go ask questions where other people are like, oh, God, no, I don't want to do that. That's scary. No, you just ask questions and you figure out how to do it and you go ahead and do it. So you decide you want to have a better life. Like in my case, I decided that I wanted to have a relationship and relationships in my life that were flourishing and fulfilling and loving and kind. And I was able to change the way I was conducting myself to make that a reality. So, and that's so you really let the what, opportunities come to you. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And NLP is great because it, there's so many tools, and I've taken them all and developed them into a lot of it. I, I like to do things to make it more fun. So, because then you get the dopamine hit in your brain if it's fun. If somebody's just chatting to you, saying, telling you stuff, you might not remember it. But if you can make it fun, you make it really interesting, the brain gets a dopamine hit and it's easier to remember. So I've taken a lot of the tools of NLP and turned them into fun little memes. And I have little videos, like things that make, that intrigues people's brains and while it's teaching them at the same time. So... and earlier when we were talking, Christina, you mentioned that you have a, in your book, 
and I'm going to paraphrase this because I called it, I think you call it a worth book, or I call it a worth book, somebody did. It's in my notes. But you've got um, a roadmap to life-changing self-love. So let's talk about that a bit. Yeah, I call it a guidebook because I don't want to think of it as work. And what it is, is I was challenged back in 2011, I think it was, by a coach I was working with to a, I love my life. And because it was like I was in a really dark time, it was like almost three years and it was the end of it where it was, I love my life. And so in the chapter, it's called the I love my life challenge. And it is all about walking through that to understand, you know, start looking at what what it is that you want to change. So before that actual chapter, the I Love My Life Challenge, there's a chapter before that that just asks some questions about the good things that happened in your life and some of the things that kind of made you feel a little squeamish or a little ugh. And then so you have a, an idea of what might be something you want to work on when you go into the I Love My Life Challenge. And I tell the story in the book that she had challenged me to love my life when I was in this really yucky time. And what I started to do, at first it was hard because I had to say I love my life when I didn't. But what I started to notice when I was saying I love my life 10, 15 times a day, I would suddenly start to notice what I did love about my life because I kept saying I hate my life. Oh, no, geez. I didn't hate my well, life. You're I love training yourself to hate it. Right. Exactly. And so oh, I had to turn it back around because I always loved my life before all that happened. So that I love my life. And then you say, wow, you know what? I love coffee. It tastes so good. Or I love the way my son giggles. Or I love this. Or I love that. I love the way it feels when the wind hits my face. And it started to really change me kind of back to who I was before I had gotten in that dark place. And in a very short time, I think it was only like six or seven months, I went from being in the depths of the deep, dark mud to the sunlight. And I remember saying to somebody, gosh, I absolutely love my life. And I actually noted it because I thought, when is the last time I said that? And yay, go me. So, being having the opportunity when the traditional publisher picked that up to put that guidebook in the back of the book. And there's a lot of tools, things that I developed myself during that time before I knew about NLP and some of the NLP stuff is in there as well to help people get into that space where they can start to recognize where they're telling themselves a big old sad repeating story and how they can change it to something more positive and put themselves on a better path. Oh, listen, when I start to whine and, and whinge about things and I bore myself, I just, oh, I'm not going to do this. But we're talking about, and I start to laugh at myself because I'm so stupid sometimes. Like, <laughs> really? <laughs> you have, you're a high IQ person. Why are you whining? Right, <laughs> you exactly. Know, go look at your IQ test again. You're smart, right? <laughs> and then I start harassing <laughs> myself. And it gets really well, funny. But, perfect. you know, in... In your book, it's two seventy page 277, the I Love My Life Challenge, and I love C.S. Lewis. And you started out with a quote, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. And you can do that moment by moment. moment. 
The interesting thing is, too, I put that quote out on LinkedIn. I think it was in October. And that post got over 950,000 views. It went completely nuts. And it's been my favorite quote since I came across it in 2008 when everything started to change. It was like, you know, God, universe, whatever was throwing me all these little pieces of candy and saying, here you go. This is for you. And this is for you. And open your eyes and open your heart. And it's all here. It's here. Here's the path. Yeah. Here's the path. Yep. One thing about gratitude, and I had a guest that was probably 10 years ago. This podcast is 15 years old now. Wow. But I, I'll never forget this man. He had a life-changing, life-altering illness that was set to kill him. You know, he was prepared to die mm-hmm. until he wasn't. And, yeah. you know, he you know he did the, the medical in- intervention or some of them that he felt he needed, not all of them. And I don't blame him for that. There's a lot of them I would say, oh, you're not, no, you're not doing that to me. It ain't going to happen, hon. But he started with what he called, and I'll never forget this, extreme gratitude. Yes. He, and I took that from him and ran with it. And I started realizing that I wasn't grateful for a darn thing that I was aware of. I liked yeah. my life. It was fun. I enjoyed it. But mm-hmm. I wasn't speaking out loud to God or to the spirits or my subconscious. Or, and when I do say these things, I say them out loud because somebody's listening, right? Me too. So I do too. I do too. Yeah, I'm always, it's a good thing I live alone. I walked out <laughs> the other day, I have cats. Everybody knows me, knows I have cats. And I walked out and there was a little, you know, hoo-rah-rah going on in the living room. And I said, don't make me call the shop steward. And then I looked over my shoulder to see if anybody heard me. And I live alone, but that's how silly it sounds. <laughs> so we all had a good laugh, and I went back to the refrigerator, stuck my head in there, and calmed down. <laughs> oh, my gosh, you are so funny. Yeah, because I do the same thing, but my husband's here. So he, 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 it, he gets me, you know. Were you talking to me or were you talking to them, they'll say. <laughs> I know. And they'll just look at me like, what? What do you mean, shop steward? We're the boss here. What are you talking about? (laughs) Listen, we are out of time. It has been so much fun talking with you. Before I let you go, Christina, is there anything else that you'd like to share before we have to end this fascinating conversation? Yeah, just quickly. We just started a program. We just launched it. It's called Manifesting Miracles Together. And we talk a lot about this. And we're going to be doing weekly Zoom calls People can go and find that on either Facebook or Instagram. We're active there. But like I said, we're just launching it, and we're super excited about it to bring it out to a broader audience. So that's that's my current project that I'm working on with a couple of other women. And, of course, I'm out all the time on, on LinkedIn and um they have very active, two active websites, ChristinaBoschman.com and ManifestingMiraclesTogether.com. Perfect. Well, listen, it's been wonderful speaking with you, and I really enjoyed it. We got to have some fun and some laughs, and I thank you for all of the terrific tips and the advice that you shared with our audience. And before we wrap up today's episode, if you enjoyed today's episode at all, and I know you did, and you found her insights helpful, please listen, leave us a review 
I can talk today. I can finish this. I'll leave us a review on, <laughs> and a rating on iTunes because your feedback helps us improve and reach more people on their success journeys. So don't forget to hit that subscribe button, leave a review, and share your partner in Success Radio with your friends and your colleagues. And thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next one. Christina, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And thank you so much. This was fun. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab. 